Welcome to A Breath of Fresh Review. I'm your host, Stella, and before we begin, I just wanted to let you all know that the way that this podcast is going to go is the same as it always will every episode. Um, Welcome to the first episode. I think I already said that, but whatever. It's still the first episode. It's exciting. Um, You might have heard me from my old podcast, An Open Book. That one didn't work out so well. I wasn't super in love with the whole idea of it all, so I decided to create a new one that's still about books because I'm all about that, but it's a different way of doing things. And also, I don't have to rely so much on timing. I'll just... Whenever I get the time, I will put an episode out and you can listen to it because that's the point of um, being a kid. You don't really have a lot of leniency in your time schedule. So um, I'm glad that you're listening right now and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, If you want to come back, because I'd love it if you did, you can find me pretty much everywhere because, you know my podcasting um platform lets me put my podcast out anywhere so if you have anything related to podcasts i bet you can find me on there so uh thank you so much so much so much for listening and let's mm, let's begin our discussion on a wrinkle in time A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lee Engel. I read quite a few books, and some of them are reached out to me in ways people never will, but this one stood out to me as few books ever have. There's a couple of things about A Wrinkle in Time that surprised me. She, for one, has a very distinct way of writing, and it makes the books even more interesting. Also, she always covers the deepest subjects. The fifth dimension intrigued me and gave me a bit of a schooling on quantum physics. I recently gave one of my friends my copy. She just started reading a little while ago, and she already told me how much she enjoys it. I've always, loved Mad- I've always loved Madeline's books, and I'm glad that she's getting into them too. Madeline writes about subjects that are so difficult to understand. My mother read it to me when I was in fourth grade, but I didn't really quote-unquote get the references. But eventually, I broke out my copy again and began to read. I was hooked. She wrote a whole series on Charles, Wallace, Meg, and Calvin, and I'm just beginning to read the third book, A Swiftly Tilting Planet. A Wrinkling Time was definitely her best one, though, but a, wrinkle, uh, a Wind in the Door was interesting. There was a small interview at the back of all of my copies of her books, and there was a small biography on her, too. I'll give you a bit of an overview. Her publishing company, Squarefish, interviewed her in the back of the books with some questions about her and her interests. It asks questions like, What did you want to be when you grew up? And what did you realize? when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? What was your idea of the best meal ever? What was your first job? What do you like better, cats or dogs? It's all about her. I found it informative, but it didn't hold enough. So, I dug deeper. It took me a while, but I've decided on the questions that I would like to use in this delving into the depths of authors and stuff. Then, after I inform you on the author, I'll get back into explaining why I enjoyed, or didn't enjoy, the book I read. So, what was her first book that she wrote? Um, the first book she wrote was called the Small Rain. It's a semi-autobiographical novel about the many difficulties of the life of the talented pianist Catherine Forrester. What was her last book? The Joys of Love. It's about a girl named Elizabeth working in the theater. She meets an amazing guy, Kurt Kanitz or Kanitz or whatever, the dashing young director of the company. Then Elizabeth's summer is profoundly shaken apart when she finds out that Kurt isn't the kind of guy she thought he was. It actually came out after she, after she died. When was she born? November 29th, 
1918, in New York City. Where did she go to school? Smith College in Massachusetts. What was she most famous for? A Wrinkle in Time and a Swiftly Tilting Planet. Okay, so I looked through A Wrinkle in Time again. I, like, had this small overview. And I've decided that I can give you this review. Four and a half stars. Madeline Leangle is beloved author, and her expertise of the English language is put into sharp relief by every book she writes. A Wrinkle in Time, however, is her most well-known book, and for good reason. Her characters are well-written and well-rounded and very charismatic. It is, also, not so unbelievable that it sounds intelligent, and her characters have their own inner battles. Tied together with science and intelligence, those work of literary art is sure to be enjoyed for years to come. So, that's my opinion. But there are other humans on this earth, and of course they have their opinions. So I, I perused Goodreads for a little while, and I found a couple of reviews that I thought pretty much summed it up. Um, let's see. Okay, so this is one by a guy on Goodreads named... Oh, not a guy. <laughs> It's not a guy, it's a girl. Her name is Anne. Okay. Okay. I was in sixth grade in 1986 and it was assigned to us by our teacher. This book changed my world, or at least my reading world. Welcome to sci-fi, kid. I have no idea how many times I've read this story, but as a child, I read it so much that this awesome cover eventually fell off. So many great memories of these characters and easily my favorite childhood novel. After doing a reread of it this year, I have to say it holds up pretty well for a book that was written in 1962. One of the things that it helps it age so decently is that Leangle didn't have much in that could age it. No brand names, no popular trends, no references to any politics of the day. The only stuff that really lets you know you were reading a book written in the 60s were Calvin saying things like, golly, unironically, or Charles Wallace being disrespectful by calling his father pops. Snickers. It's a very simple story that I read in just under two hours but I remember it being complex enough when I was younger. I think it hits all the right points for a kid who feels out of place and weird. And didn't we all feel out of place and weird at that age? Yes. Yes, we did. The only thing I was less excited about this time around were all the religious references, but the book is what it is, and you just kind of have to accept that God is a big theme in this and to move on if you want to enjoy it. It's not too preachy, so there's that. Will kids today like it? I'm trying to get mine to read it now, so ask me again in six months but I've been putting off rereading this thing for 20 plus years and was pleasantly surprised that it was still such a charming story. Highly recommended for nostalgia. Well, you can't really have nostalgia if you're a little, if you're, well not little, but if you're a kid like me, but I mean, you know, I'm a child, so. But a bunch of adults that have read it um, are getting nostalgia from this book, so that makes sense. It's actually it was actually very popular in like seventies, I think. Um, this is another one that oh by the way, Anne's was five stars. Um, but this guy, his name is Michael. Um, he didn't rate it as highly as uh, Anne rated it, but I thought that it made sense. And yeah, okay. Um, so it says, Lighter note, had discussion with the author about this book and why it means so much to so many people, specifically women. Also read excellent NY Times piece about the 50th anniversary. Some books are powerful for their readers because of their context. In this case, the utter lack in popular kids' literature of 1962 of characters like Meg, 
real girls who cared about typical subjects like math, but were unashamed to be other than pink-wearing cheerleaders. To find a powerful role model in a novel must be a wonderful thing, especially for bookish girls. <laughs> Me. And maybe it makes sense that as a boy in the 70s, I missed that entirely. Still, reading as an adult, I found it unbearably heavy-handed. Hence the two-star rating. It was okay. One of those overrated books, the response to which defies explanation. Clunky, heavy-handed, and as obvious in its way as a lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, I was only ever able to force myself through this as an adult, having been turned off by, of a, by a film strip I saw in school. And no doubt this is the sort of novel, like the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, that must be first loved as a younger reader. Ugh. Okay, but I did get it. I didn't understand why he wrote like that, but I don't know. I completely disagree. Four and a half stars. But I can't do that on Goodreads, so we'll have to go with five stars. <laughs> um, so this girl named Madeline, and they spell it exactly like um, Madeline Leangle spelled it. Um, she also gave a really great review, and I liked it. So I'll read it to you. Madeline, re Madeline rated it five stars. <clears throat> In 2012. Wow. Dang. Wait, I have to see what the other times... Oh, wow. Michael rated it in 2007, and Anne rated it in 2018. Okay, so Anne's is the most, like... Um, uh, 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 what are we looking for? What is the word I'm looking for? Um, she rated it the most relevantly. Oh, no, I clicked out. No, I'm so dumb. Okay. Let me find that again. Okay, now, anyway. But, yeah, she... Okay, so we have the book, or this thing. Okay, where is it? Oh, there we go. Okay, now that I have this, um, she gave it five stars, and it was written in 2012, May 14th. <clears throat> I have one general self-imposed rule about reviewing on this site. I write about the books I've read in the order, and I've finished them. By that logic... <clears throat> I should be cobbling together my reaction to hunger right now, but I am so taken by this childhood staple that there's no room in my brain for anything other than uncontrollable glee over this book that another Madeline has given to the world. I never read this book as a kid. I didn't read it as a teenager or college student. I read it for the first time with 30 coming at me like a crazed stalker who wouldn't let a pesky thing like a restraining order standing in the way. <laughs> and that did concern me, especially after half-heartedly slogging through the first four books comprising the Narnia Chronicles a few years ago before taking an indefinite break from tackling what should have been another enthusiastically remembered staple of a young reader's diet. I was afraid that I completely missed out on enjoying Wrinkle in Time, a novel that I have heard praised up and down by so many people as a prime example of how good children's literature can be. So I read it like I read as a wee lass who didn't realize that she was poised at the very beginning of what would become a lifelong pursuit of books fueled by an insatiable need to keep reading. I read well past my bedtime with one tiny light illuminating the path somewhere magically transportive, knowing full well that the bookworm gratification far outweighed the inevitability of being a zombie all morning. I read it when I should have been doing something else as dictated by responsibility. I read to be told a story and to consider ideas I'd never come across in the world beyond two covers, sure, but mostly I'd read to give myself up to a writer's lush landscape, to lose myself in someone else's words. I read it to let my imagination run free through a universe I fervently and fruitlessly wish to be part of. Okay, let's stop this review to just say she's a really good writer, and I mean, it's great that she loves books, but also she's just a really good writer, and this review is totally showing that, so woohoo! Mm. 
On one hand, yeah, I do feel a little cheated that so much of what I needed to hear as a kid has lived within these pages all this time, and I could have had such imperatives by my side to ease the pains of childhood, childhood's harsh but unnecessary learning experiences had I just shown even a fraction of some interest in this book. Among them, one's parents are not infallible. Weaknesses can become strengths. Nay, tools integral to besting some truly harrowing obstacles in the right circumstances. That sometimes you have to face down scary or unpleasant truths, and you're not excused from looking away or backing down just because the task ahead is either scary or unpleasant. It's better to embrace your individuality and not compromise yourself, no matter how uncomfortable you are in your own skin, than to mindlessly, mindlessly submit to the herd mentality and easy conformity. Just because something appears strange doesn't make it bad, or all that strange at its core, after all. What things are is infinitely more important than what they look like. Conversely, this book drenched my ordinary existence with fantasy's magic for a few days, and I'm sure it'll stick with me in the days to come. My first encounter with this book wasn't a foggily but fondly recalled childhood memory that's destined to be tarnished by the darkening cynicism of the years upon revisits, revisits, jeez, of the years upon revisits from my older self. I got to experience the breathless wonder of a kid discovering an instant favorite for that first time as an oasis of sheer escapist rapture in the face of a new intense work days, of a few intense work days, and the humdrum nature of routine adulthood. And it proved to me that I don't always have to be such a gosh dang snob about kid lit, because when it's good, it is extraordinary. And really, let's be honest, younger me wasn't exactly the sharpest crayon in the tool shed, tool shed, so who's to say I would have picked up the more subtle elements that made this such a delightful read anyway? Despite my natural inclination towards hyperbole, I am not exaggerating when I say I'm a little better for having read this book, one that I initially arrived at out of dubious curiosity and left in a state of giddy, childlike awe. And maybe a few tears. Oh, that was a really good review, and I totally agree with her. It makes so much sense. But anyway, um, yeah, that was actually a very good um, review, and it makes sense. It does. It makes perfect sense, and I love that. Um, but I'm glad that she got into um, that that review. It makes so much so much sense, and I totally agree with her. Like totally. Sorry about the um, quality of the earlier um, uh, part of the episode. It was not clear to me that my microphone wasn't plugged in, so it sounds not so great because it's just the computer microphone and it was not great. But it was so long of a recording that I just decided not to redo it, and you'll have to deal with me sounding kind of grainy. <laughs> not my fault. <coughs> Anyway, um, there was also some stuff on A Wrinkle in Time that I just wanted to let you know. Um, let's see if I can find it again, but I don't think I will be able to. Um, but I'll just let you know that if you ever do end up feeling the need to watch A Wrinkle in Time, because it's actually a movie, um, if you ever feel like watching it, there is is a movie on Netflix, I believe. Let me see if I can find it. And then there's two other movies that they made because apparently they felt like making 
two other movies after the original one that they made. Um, but it's on Netflix, I think. Oh gosh, it's starting to play, but I don't want it to play yet. I'm gonna watch it, but not right now. Pause. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it's supposed to be a really great movie. Well, I have watched it, but it's a really great movie, even though it doesn't have a great rating. I'm not sure why, but it's got a it's a really great movie, although it's not as good as the book because most movies aren't. Um, but it was pretty good, so yeah. But besides the movie, there is some good parts of A Wrinkle in Time. Or not parts, but yes, there is some stuff that I wanted to show you. Um, let's see. I really feel bad about how people didn't love A Wrinkle in Time, the movie, but... Um, there's just not that big of a thing with me and reviews because I have my own opinions. I don't need to trust Rotten Tomatoes all the time. Um, but apparently there's... This is a major turnoff for some people. I don't know why, but it just is. Um, but A Wrinkle in Time was actually banned. Yeah. Um, it was a banned book because um... Apparently, hold on, let's see if I can find that big old thing, maybe? No, not on Wikipedia, because that's not very trusted. But apparently, according to USA Today, the novel was challenged in a school district in the state of Alabama due to the books listing the name of Jesus Christ together with the names of great artists, philosophers, scientists, and religious leaders when referring to those who defend Earth against evil. I don't really understand why that's not bad I, I don't I understand why that's bad but whatever um yeah I don't know uh yeah but it's a really great book and you shouldn't have to judge it by the fact that it was banned because it was um that's not a big deal though you shouldn't trust Again, don't trust the reviews of an Alabama school, because obviously Alabama is not super learned in that whole deal. But, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to A Breath of Fresh Review. Don't forget to leave me some five stars on iTunes, and make sure to listen the next time an episode is put out. Au revoir, my friends. Au revoir.